0: Good afternoon church it's great to see you one more time uh, by the way if you haven't met my name is nino i'm one of the pastors here at trails church and yeah i have the the great pleasure of being starting this new series you're calling living Letters to a dying world and we are a new church and many of you were not around uh, even a year ago but we have been creating this culture of having like a great commission a mission series every year uh, around this time of the year when we are approaching our church anniversary. So in our first year, right before you officially launched Trails, we had a series called The Heart of a Disciple, in which we talk about what it means to be a disciple of Christ, the cost of discipleship, uh, the mission we have as disciples, and the importance of carrying out this mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, In our second year, we had a series called Press On, which happened during what we call our forest season, and if you don't know what the first season is, you can ask someone after the service. But in the series, Press On, we talk about the importance of pressing on our mission as Christians in season and out of season. And even when things are not ideal, we need to keep pressing on getting to know the Lord more and sharing the gospel uh, in our lives with uh, the people around us. So now we are approaching our second anniversary and of our local church here and we want to bring this series that was based on, on a verse in the book of 2nd Corinthians so I want you to open your Bible in the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 and our main focus is verse 3 but we're going to read uh, from the beginning from verse 1 to give you more context of what the apostles teach us here so 1st Corinthians 3 we're going to have here on the screen as well sorry 2nd Corinthians I said first right I said first and second thing, but it's second. (laughs) Second Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 1. So Paul says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, uh, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Yourselves are our letters of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So we see here that Paul is dealing with an issue related to letters of recommendation in this church. Uh, And he's aware that some teachers have arrived the church in Corinth with letters of recommendation. And that it was becoming a costume to carry those letters when moving to a different church. And here Paul is not going against the letter per se, but he is explaining to them the known necessity of a recommendation letter in his own case. And Paul, he is bold enough to say that the people in the church there, they are his letters of recommendation. And, and the recommendation of his ministry in the gospel he preaches. Not because those people point to Paul himself, but they actually point to Christ. The proof that Paul preached the true gospel is that those people became letters from Christ to the world around them. Those people had this message written in their hearts by Christ through the Holy Spirit. Now it's important to recognize here that we, the pastors of the Trails Church, we don't claim to be apostles. I'm not standing here to say that the congregation here is our letter of recommendation. That's not the point of this this whole series. But we need to understand that the church of Christ is apostolic by nature. As we learn in Ephesians 2, and by the way, spoiler alert, our next series will be in the book of Ephesians. So Ephesians 2, verse 19, Paul says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So the household of God, the church, is prophetic and apostolic because that's the foundation on which we are building. This means that you and I, we are not apostles in the sense of being eyewitness of the, the resurrection of Christ. And we have not received the gospel message directly from Jesus But we are apostolic as we carry the message that was delivered to the apostles and then handed out to us and as we become these living letters written by Christ. And that's the foundation for us to understand because Jesus, Jesus did not leave any writings or letters. But he charged the apostles with this task of preaching the gospel and calling people of all the world to obedience to Christ and then teaching them to do the same thing. And how do we know the gospel, the good news that Paul, Peter, John, and the other apostles, how do we know the message they preach? It is true. How do we know they didn't change the message? How do we know they didn't adapt the message of Christ? Because that's the question that some people ask. And we know it's true because it changed lives. The message they preach fulfills what was promised by the prophets of the Old Testament. That a new covenant would come and that God would write his law in the hearts of his people. If you go to Jeremiah 31, 33, you're going to have on the screen here. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write on, in, on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they, sh- they shall be my people. So when Paul says, you are my letter of recommendation, because you become this letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts, he's saying that the proof that his ma- the message he preaches is true, and it's from God, is that everyone can see in the life of these Christians, the fulfillment of the promises we found in Jeremiah and the other prophets of the Old Testament. So that's how we know the message that the apostles they left for us is a message from God. And with this understanding in mind, what we want to explore in this series is, is that we want to be those living letters from Christ. But we will break it down and explore in four smaller themes. So today we are exploring how we can become these letters and the message we carry in consequence. In the next week we will talk about the fact that we are living letters written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, and how our lives should reflect the work of the Spirit in us. In the third week we will explore that being a living letter is not just about the good deeds, just about the external evidence. But it's a message that can be read, it is a message that can be read from the outside, but it's written very deeply in our souls, and it changes our hearts, the way we think and we feel about things. In our last sermon, we will talk about the fact that as letters, we are meant to be sent. And how Jesus is the one who not just writes these letters, but he is the one who sends these letters with his authority. So our text for today is Romans 1, 16 to 17. So, open your Bible, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. The word God says, as Chris read for us in the beginning of the, the service. So it says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's pray before we dive into your text. Lord, we are thankful because we can come in your presence one more time. And we are thankful for for the gospel, God. And that we can be assured that that's a message coming from you because it changed our lives. It's not just a message that gives us good advice for life. It's not just a message that teaches a man-made religion. But it's a message that changes our nature. Changes our hearts. Gives us a new heart and bring us face-to-face face with the Creator of the universe. And we are thankful for that. I ask you Lord to work in our midst in this moment. We know your word, the gospel is powerful to change our lives. So we ask that you can change our hearts, our lives, our minds in this moment. For those who don't know you yet, that they can have your eye, their eyes open to see your glory, to see your face in the gospel. And for those who are deceived by the by religion, by believing that they are Christians just because they they come to church and and have religious acts, that they can see the truth, God. And have their eyes open as well. And for those who are Christians that we can be encouraged by your word. And press on those things and become those these living ladders to the dying world around us. Can we pray this in the name of Jesus? Amen. So all right, the first thing that Paul Paul says in this verse we are studying today is that he's not ashamed of the gospel. But it's important that he gives us the reason why he's not ashamed of the gospel. We should make no mistake thinking that boldness And being unashamed of something makes something true. Sinners of all kinds are many times very proud of their sin. People from different religions are very proud of the worship of demons and false gods. And they proudly follow all the false prophets and priests that those religions promote, leading millions of people into eternal death. In our time, many people take pride... And they're anti-God sexual lifestyle as well. And they speak unashamedly about it. And I could give you dozens of examples. But the point is you can be very bold and unashamed in the lies you believe. And in the sins you live in. So being zealous is not a virtue. You don't want to have a church that's full of zealous people. Who go out and preach a message that are very bold in their life and, and their beliefs just for the sake of being zealous. Or people who are in ashamed because they see being unashamed as a good works that will have, help them to get into heaven. For these we already have the Mormons, the Jehovah Witnesses and other cults, they do that. They are very zealous because they believe that by doing the things they do, they will get to heaven. They will please God. That's not who we want to be. Paul teaches here that the reason he's not ashamed of the gospel is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone, Jew and Gentile. So church, we need to understand or be remembered that the gospel is power. It is the power of the living God. In the same way God spoke into creation in the creation of the word, what was did not exist into existence for nothing, he created everything. Now the gospel message is the word of God that brings that people to life. And that's what salvation is. It's receiving life and freedom from our slavery to sin and death and the devil. And that this this kind of salvation, this salvation is not something that human power can accomplish. The gospel is not words of human wisdom that are helpful for life. The gospel is God fulfilling what he promised through the prophets of the Old Testament. The gospel is Jesus Christ making us his letters by writing in our hearts the law of God. The prophet Jeremiah teaches in chapter 13 of his letter, the following. I'm going to have here on the screen. He says, can an Ethiopian change his skin? Or a leopard, it's his spots. Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. So it's interesting. You have as much chance of changing your heart as those two situations here. But God, in His mercy, through the gospel, provides us with a way to have our hearts, our nature, our desires deeply changed. What then makes us living letters is Christ Himself by the power of the spirit through the gospel. You cannot make yourself a letter from Christ. You cannot make yourself a, a, this living letter by being, being very zealous Christian. But you are a natural letter from Christ if you have been truly transformed in your heart. And that's very important because we live in living times that the power of God in the gospel is denied or neglected. And that's what Paul wrote, in Timothy, for, wrote to Timothy in his second letter to him. second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. You're going to have in the screen as well. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. It's interesting to notice that Paul described those people as lovers of money, proud, arrogant. Abusive and so on, the list is huge here, but at the same time having the appearance of godliness And that's the gospel preached in many churches today. It's a powerless gospel That at its best carries some biblical wisdom Some Good things you can apply to your life But it it is a gospel that's preached, not expecting, neither promoting the true power of godliness that leads to sanctification. A power that transforms us so you're not anymore lovers of money, proud and holy. And in other cases, you have some churches that promote a kind of holiness that's conquered through human effort. And not the result of the power of God acting in our hearts through the message. Gospel message. So, friends, to begin this series, we need to, above all, understand that this series is not a call to religious zeal, but it's a call to live a life carried by the power of God through the Holy Spirit that comes with the preaching of the gospel. You can, you cannot, you cannot be a living ladder. Carrying the message of the gospel to this dying world before first being transformed into this letter by Christ himself. Who writes the law of God in our hearts. Church, the gospel is powerful. The gospel changes life. The gospel sets captives free. The gospel heals our spiritual blindness to see the things we couldn't see before, those spiritual realities. The gospel changes our hearts, changes our plans, changes our desires, changes our priorities. The gospel changes everything. The gospel is this message that makes you the dwell in place of the spirit of God himself. And if the presence of God enters your life, your life it's, it's literally impossible for your life to be ever the same again. And I'm saying this, friends, because I grew up going to church. I don't remember a moment in my life in which I did not mentally believe the the truth contained in the Bible. I don't remember a moment in which I didn't believe Christ exists and he was the Savior. I always believed those things. But I remember very well the day, 16 years ago, when Jesus changed my heart forever. I was made a living ladder. And even with my defective and yet immature understanding of the Bible and of the gospel, I couldn't help but talk about Jesus and Christ and the gospel everywhere I went. Because I was made the living ladder of Christ. And the gospel did not change me. And did not change us just once in our lifetime as Chris was saying. It's not just like our entrance in the kingdom. But we are constantly being transformed by the power that comes with the preaching of the gospel and i have seen this many times in my own life and in the people around me in the life of people around me and because of this we start becoming less and less prone to be ashamed of the gospel because we know it's the power of god for the salvation to everyone who believes and it takes us to our second point the gospel is to be believed It's through faith in the gospel that salvation is applied to your lives. I don't know if you ever ask yourself uh, this question, but if the gospel is so powerful, why the life of some people is changed, but for others the gospel seems to be powerless? And the answer is very simple. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. It's through faith, by believing the gospel message, that salvation comes into your life. So faith is this conduit through which the power of God contained in the gospel message touches our lives, touches our hearts. And Paul teaches again in Ephesians 2 that faith is a gift from God. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So the same God who presents us with the gospel message is also the one who gives us the faith that's necessary to experience the power that this message carries. Again, you don't make yourself saved. You don't make yourself this living letter written by Christ. He is the one who provides everything we need. In Christ and through Christ, but now it should make us consider for a minute the nature of saving faith. As I mentioned before, I, I always believe the Bible. I always believe the gospel. But the Bible teaches us that there is like different kinds of faith. And but today I don't want to appro- approach all the faith that don't save. But I want to see from our text how saving faith looks like. And the saving faith, according to Paul, it's a faith that necessarily causes to experience the power of God unto salvation through the preaching of the gospel. So if you haven't experienced the power I talked about a minute ago, this is the evidence that you haven't believed for salvation yet. And I know because I, I have been there. As the text says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes, everyone. It's not the power for some people who believe. Everyone who believes the gospel, will experience the power of God for salvation. And that's what saving faith looks like. That's the nature of saving faith. Saving faith makes the gospel powerful and alive in our hearts. So again, church, don't be conformed to the to a gospel that just convince people of a certain set of beliefs. Do not be conformed with the gospel that makes people the better version of themselves. Do not be conformed with the gospel that brings about external conformity. But pursue to know and preach the true gospel, asking God to give you and give the people you preach you true faith so people can be transformed in their hearts. And do not be conforming to you see it in yourself or the people you preach to a new heart being created through the power of God. Do not be conforming to you see a new nature, a new being born. When a Christian is born, you have no questions. You know this person is a different person now. It's not just someone who will start believing in something different, different a different religion. And that's my hope here today. Not that you will be part of our church and then mentally being convinced of the gospel. But that you will be impacted and transformed by the power of God. And then become this living ladder to this dark age you're living in. And that's the gospel revival we should long to see. And as Romans one seventeen says, For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith our faith so the reason the gospel can save is that when you believe the righteousness of god is revealed to you and it becomes yours so the centerpiece of the gospel message is christ crucified today many churches and pastors they're trying to change the centrality of the cross in the gospel for other themes they will say things, for example, the gospel is the message of Jesus' is king. The, message, the gospel is this message that God will redeem the whole universe. Or the gospel is this message from God that, that God will restore our societies. And even though those things are true in some sense, the question that remains is, if Jesus is king and he's restoring everything, how can someone sinful like me, like you, be part of it? That's the question you need to answer. How can a holy God dwell in the midst of unrighteous people? How can Jesus, the perfect son of God, eternally dwell with sinful human beings? So without the cross, you don't have anything. And in the cross, this question is fully answered. On the cross, the righteousness of God is revealed. On the cross, God put in full display how he can be a just judge who punishes all sin. And at the same time, he can be the justifier God who makes sinners holy. On the cross, Jesus took our sin. He faced the wrath of God that was prepared for me and for you. And in exchange, God gave us his righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. I like how John MacArthur he explained this. He says, when Paul says the righteousness of God is revealed in this verse, he doesn't mean it's just disclosed to human minds. He doesn't mean it's just spoken in human history. He means that it, it is specifically revealed in the action and the operation of regeneration. That's why the gospel is the power of God into salvation to everyone who believes. Because that belief activates the righteousness of God. So friends, when we believe the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed to us. Bringing us to our knees to confess our sins, to surrender before God. And at the same time, there is incomparable joy in knowing that the righteousness of Jesus Christ... Is given to us. The law of God is now written in our hearts. The righteousness is revealed and given to us. And now, having this message revealed and engraved in our hearts, we can live this la- our lives as living letters from Christ, sent into the world to proclaim in word and deed the very message that was written in the core of our beings. Now, as we draw to a conclusion, we go back to the very first sentence, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. When we have revealed to you the righteousness of God, what holiness means, when you understand your necessity of what Jesus did in the cross, and how gracious God is in making all of this, His resurrecting power available through faith. And when you have your heart changed by this power and the law of God is written in our inner parts, you'll find alongside alongside Paul say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul was so secure of the facts of the gospel and the lives of those who truly believe that he would be bold, bold enough to say that they were his letters of recommendation. They were the proof that his message was from God because the power of God for salvation was manifested in them. Paul did not see those Christians in Corinth as living letters because they were well trained by him or because their church structure or culture was great. These things can be good, but they are man-made. Paul's trust is in the work that just God can do. Paul's trust was in the fact that through his preaching, Jesus was transforming the life, the lives of those people. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, making them anew according to what was promised by God in the prophetic writings. So church, I have been living here in Canada for six years now. And I heard all the kinds of excuses for people who don't want to evangelize. For people who don't share the gospel. For people who don't open their mouths to talk about their life for Jesus. And it's, you don't talk in your workplace for a reason. You don't talk to your family for a different reason. Then you don't talk to your friends for another reason. And you don't talk to your strangers for another reason. But you have excuses for everything. And some people will think that's a cultural problem. Yeah, we have like cultural barriers. You don't understand how things happen here in Canada. Others think it's lack of training or encouragement from the churches. And others even think it's Satan's fault. We always blame Satan for the things we don't do. But I think the Bible teaches us that it's a regeneration issue. It's a new birth issue. Because once you have the Spirit of God living inside you, writing something in your heart, true things will happen. First, you will be born again. And you become an ashamedly living letter from Christ to this world. You cannot have one without the other. So we need to stop blaming Satan or training or whatever. None of this can stop the mouth of someone who had his heart changed by the gospel. To finish this off, I want you to read a piece of a sermon preached by Charles Spurgeon. In 1873 he says the following if Jesus is precious to you 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 will not be able to keep your good news to yourself you'll be whispering it into your child's ear you'll be telling it to your husband you'll be earnestly imparting it to your friend without the charms of eloquence you will be more than eloquent your heart will speak in your eyes as a talk of his sweet love every christian here and it's the same for us today every Christian here is either a missionary or an impostor recollect that you either try to spread abroad the kingdom of Christ or else you do not love him at all it cannot be that there is a high appreciation of Jesus in a totally silent tone about him Every Christian here is either missionary or imposter. So, friends, I don't want to be in a church full of imposters. I would rather have like two or three people here who truly love Jesus and are these living letters from Christ than a crowd of people who pretend to be Christians, who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. So, I believe the invitations for us today, there are like many different scenarios. If you are truly a Christian, you have been living as this living ladder of Christ. I want you to be encouraged and continue to do what you're doing, do more. Because we need more. And go day after day to the source and fountain of this life you have inside you, Jesus Christ. But now maybe you have been convicted that you are probably just mentally convinced of the gospel, but you never experienced this power in your life. And if that's you, ask the Lord for faith. Ask Him for faith that brings the gospel you heard alive into your heart. Ask Jesus to write this message in your heart and change you once and for all. Maybe you belong to your third group. Who is resistant to this message and think I'm being too strict. And that you are on your way to heaven even if you are not, like the Christian is not so explicit in your life. And for you I want to say, maybe consider the possibility of you being wrong. And ask Jesus to show if that's the case. And if you what was preaching here today. Is in accordance with the Bible. Ask Him to open your eyes and to soften your heart to accept it and repent. And maybe there is a fourth group that you're not a Christian. It's your first time listening to this message. And the the message for you today, God brought you here for a reason. And He's offering you the message of salvation. He's saying, like, you're this proud, arrogant, Slanders, all those sins. But God is so gracious that He sent Jesus. That he sent His only Son to die in your place. And the wrath that you were supposed to face after you die, Jesus, He faced in that cross. And if you believe Him, if you call the name of the Lord, you make this change, this transformation in your life, and you you receive this power. And you have the law of God written in your heart. And you'll never be the same again. Church, our God is a gracious God. And as John says, his soul loved the world that he gave his only son to die in our place and to give life to all those who believe in him. And I firmly believe that he'll give us to his church here everything we need for salvation and life of the holiness. Amen. Let's pray.